All right, cool. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you because um, the entrance of your word brings light. And Father, we just thank you that as we get into your word, that light will come forth. And Father, we pray that your light will be a, 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 a light onto our feet and a lamp onto our path, Lord. That, Father, we won't be like that person that looks into the mirror and forgets what they see. Um, that we won't just be hearers of the word today, but we will indeed be doers. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Cool, cool. All right, so, again, we're in James. Uh, uh, last week, Daniel spoke a powerful word, um, looking at being a, a uh, doer of the word and not just a hero. Um, and today we're going to be looking at the entirety of James chapter two. And then, and then I think Daniel's going to be uh, looking at James chapter three. Is it all of it next week or? Yeah, I think all of it next week. So Daniel gave me this long, long chapter. So, um, but yeah, let's get into it. I believe that the Lord has some, has loads of things for us today. So let's start, let's get into James, James chapter two. Um, and let's start off by reading uh, verse 1 to 13 so that's James chapter 2 and let's start off reading um, verse 1 to 13 my brethren do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ the Lord of glory and partiality for if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, you sit here in a good place and say to the poor man, you stand there or sit here at my footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourself and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonoured the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Do they not blaspheme that noble name by which you are called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbour as yourself. You do well. If you show partiality, you commit sin, and is convicted by the law as transgressors. But whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not commit murder. Now if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak, and so do, as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mm. Thank you, Avia. Thank you, Avia. James is, James is an interesting, it's just an interesting book overall, man. Controversial in, in, in its places. Um, but let's, let, let's, get in, let's get into it. So, we, so we've got James here. And he's talking to his brothers or to or to to the church. Um, and in verse one, he starts off by talking to them about a subject which is around partiality. So I want to say partiality. partiality, partiality. And he says, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and then he gives an example of how that partiality might be seen through their actions and he gives the example of two people um and you've got that there's a man who's wearing gold rings and five and fine clothing um uh, comes into the assembly uh so like so like even like to um and that assembly is speaking of like the church or the synagogue 
or the synagogue, sorry. And if a person comes in with maybe fine clothes, they got a nice suit, right? They got the bear, the Balenciagas on, nice rings. That person is someone that um, they would, you know, pay attention to, right? And say, you sit here in a good place. So they would place that person um, in a seat of honor, in a, in a seat of um, prominence. And then James then contrasts that with another person who comes, who is poor. And then the response to that person is sit over there. In fact, they even said, sit down at my feet, meaning you're in a low position. And this really speaks uh, to the time um, that this was written because there was a, and I think we've spoken to this before, that, that there was a big mi misconception that actually if you were like riches was a sign of that maybe you were good or that you were blessed and that if you were poor, then it would almost be like um, you're, you're, you're lacking or you're cursed or you're not in right relationship with the father because why would you be poor if, if you know God, do you know what I mean, versus someone who is rich and has rings. And then it goes on to say, oh, sorry, it, it then goes on to really illustrate that this is, a, is an example of partiality, okay? And that word partiality, which I think is it, it's important for us to think about is, it literally means is the fault of one who when called on to give judgment has respect of the outward circumstances of a man and not their intrinsic merits and so prefers sorry and so prefers as more worthy one who is rich highborn or powerful to another who does not have these qualities okay and what we see here with partiality is that when i'm showing partiality i'm making a judgment okay i'm making a judgment and when i'm making a judgment i'm making a judgment um based on appearances okay so with this example they've got the rich person they've got the poor person they're making a judgment because of their appearance and also because of the connotation right so there's a connotation that if you're rich you're this you're this type of person if you're poor you're this type of person and then, and then it goes on to say in verse four, that have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Right. So James then goes on to make a connection here to say that, uh, that you know, through this example, he's showing that when we're showing partiality, again, we're, we are making judgments and we're making them with evil thoughts where we, we are making them with evil thoughts. And I think one of the key essence of, of partiality, which I've said already, is looking only at the outward. And we know if we look at the book of Samuel, that actually it speaks about God not looking at only at the outward, or sorry, not at the outward, sorry, but actually on the inward. And we see that throughout the whole story of David in the book of Samuel, that David was, was the one who was shunned by his family um, um, and not brought 
forward because it seemed as though he would not be the one who's worthy. It looked like he would not be the one who would be put in honor. Mm. And because of that, he wasn't brought forward. Okay. So his father showed partiality. Okay. So we can think about partiality um, uh, 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 being based on the law. Okay. I'm, I'm going to be going somewhere. That partiality is, um, yeah, is based on the law, meaning um, in the traditional times when it came to the law, uh, 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 the law was all about the outward. Okay. In the sense of, uh, your, you know, uh, be, being cleansed, being ceremonially ready, looking at the outward. And so this is where, if we go into the New Testament, Jesus speaks really strongly to the Pharisees. Okay, really, really strongly to, to the Pharisees. Why? Because on the outward, the Pharisees look like they're doing everything right. Mm -hmm. Right? They look the part. In fact, they know the scriptures. They're doing all the things right, but yet he's noticing that there's something wrong. Okay, that there's, a, that there's something wrong. And he's able to, to discern them, not according to the flesh or, 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 or their outwardness, but according to the spirit and actually discern who they are and what they're actually doing. Let's, let's carry on. Uh, where, do, where, where do we want to go? So let's go to verse 8. If you really fulfill the royal law according to scriptures, you, you, you should love your neighbour as yourself, as you're doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and you are convicted by the law. Sorry, yeah, by the law as transgressors. And he's speaking to this group because... And he uses this scripture because there, um, um, just in case there was an argument to say that actually me showing partiality or a preference towards this rich man was an example of me loving my neighbor. Okay. Yeah. So he then uses this to say, no, 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 you, like, like you can't use that because actually you're not really doing that. But actually, and if you are saying that and, uh, 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 and you're trying to uphold the law, then actually you need to be making sure that you are um, uh, uh, doing everything the law says and not just the parts of the law that you want to keep. And then he goes on to say, well, you know, um, you know, like you can't just say that, you know, um, in verse e 11, do not commit adultery and do not murder. Um, if you do not commit uh, adultery, but do murder, meaning you can't say don't commit adultery because that's wrong, but it's okay to murder. You, again, you're showing partiality. You're saying that something is more weightier than something else. And then he goes on to say something which is, um, for me, really spoke volumes, and I believe it was verse... Um, I believe it was verse 12. So, so speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. Someone say liberty. liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. 
Now, James here is now encouraging us to so speak and act. So speak and act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. And, and we know that law of liberty is that freedom we have in Christ. Mm -hmm. And that's not a freedom to sin, but it's a freedom we now have to know the Father. It's, a now, it, it's that freedom we have now to be in relationship and connection with the Father. And then he goes on to say, for judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And that word mercy um, is, it literally means in the original is, I thought that it was more so a word that meant forgiveness in terms of this context. But it, it actually means kindness or good sorry, kindness or goodwill towards the miserable and the afflicted joined with a desire to help them. Okay, I'm going somewhere with this. <laughs> so we're seeing that James is now talking about mercy. Okay, and he's speaking about partiality. And there he's bringing a little bit of a contrast. Okay, why? So when we look at um, partiality, partiality solely focuses, as I said earlier, on the outward appearance, mm -hmm. on what I'm seeing, okay? And because of what I'm seeing, I then make a judgment, okay, on who is more deserving. Mercy, on the other hand, has nothing to do with what I'm seeing, okay? Mercy has everything to do with the person who's going to give out the mercy okay so with partiality i'm looking at the outward and i'm making a judgment and i'm making a decision whereas mercy is all about the mercy giver and how that mercy giver views things and judges okay for instance if there's two people and you know they both owe you money Someone who is partial may say, well, you know, this is my friend. So actually you have to give me money. But someone who is filled with mercy will not be swayed by their positions, but will make a decision based on their own core values. And the, as the scripture says, the, um, the, the uh, royal law, which is the law of liberty um, um, and freedom. Okay, cool. And so he then says that mercy triumphs over judgment. Someone say mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy always triumphs over judgment. Meaning what that, again, going back to that partiality, that when there's two people, the, the rich and the poor, and we're partial, again, we are making a... Uh, 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 evil um sorry yeah a evil judgment and placing one higher than the other but when we're merciful we are discerning who they really are and we are uh, 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 connecting with and giving them what um we want to give them based upon our own core values based upon um uh, uh, our understanding of mercy and life and this this connects to what jesus says in and we we're not going to read it but it's luke 7 uh 4 7 sorry luke chapter 7 47 
where he speaks about something about those who are forgiven much, love much. That those who have been forgiven like much are also able to forgive others much because they have that understanding of what they've done. And so they are then able to dispensate that to other people. And uh, and I think that also James is, uh, is alluding to that with that sense of mercy versus judgment. And he also does that in verse one, where he says, my brother, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, we know that faith isn't based on the outward. But partiality is only based on the outward. And so he's he's bringing a contrast here for us as Christians to to really think about how can we be in the faith, be walking in a way where we don't judge things according to the flesh, but also be judging things according to the flesh. Like, how can we be like, like merciful where we like to give mercy isn't judging according to what I see, but to judge according to my core values and the law of liberty and also be judging. It's almost like two pieces of a puzzle that don't fit. Let's carry on reading. Let's get into, so we've got that partiality. So we've got that partiality and we've got that mercy. Partiality looking at only the outward. And then we've got mercy, which looks past the outward. Okay. And, and, and James really illustrating that as Christians or as people, we ought not to hold faith and partiality at the same time because they are not congruent. And then he then doubles down on it by using mercy and judgment to show that you can't have them both in the same place. And then he goes even deeper. Uh, So let's read from verse 14 to the end of that chapter. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed, and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So, also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works, show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well, even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham, our father, justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his work. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God, Mm. and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. But as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Amen. Thank you, Jose. Let's tie this up. Okay, cool. Let's let's get into this because um 
yeah, it's a controversial scripture, I feel. But we're going to get into it. So firstly, so we've got showing partiality. Um, and, and I would just simply say that showing partiality is discerning according to the flesh. That when I'm showing partiality, I'm discerning according to the flesh. And we know from verse one that as people who have faith, we ought to not show partiality. Why? Because faith is not about judging according to the flesh. So we've got two incompatibilities here. And then we've got judgment and mercy. Judgment again, which he connects with partiality, judging according to the flesh. And then we've got mercy, which is all about discerning according to the spirit, discerning what does that person deserve based upon the law of the spirit, based upon what the Lord says about them, based upon who they actually are. Um, <laughs> praise him. Um, so we've got those two. So <laughs> Daniel's making me laugh. So we've got those two contrasts um, in the scripture. Um, and, then, and then he goes further in verse 14. And then he says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? Can that faith save him? If, 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 if a person has faith but no words, can that faith save him? Well, we know he's, he's not talking about the ultimate salvation because we know in Ephesians 2, 9, we know that that, that was saved not of works, lest anyone should boast. So we, so, so we know that. We know we're saved by grace. We know that we're not justified by works. We know that. But James here is, is, is almost trying to take that a little bit higher for us when it comes to us and our faith, because he starts off by, by again, asking us that question, how can we, as, as people of faith, show partiality? So almost, how can us, have, as, as people of faith, have no works? Because if there's faith, there ought to be works. And then, and then he goes on to use a really clear example in verse 15. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and the one of you says to them, go in peace and be warmed, filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And so... When we look at this example of faith without works, the first thing we notice is that there's a person who's poorly clothed, right? Poorly clothed and lacking in daily food. Okay. And then we've got the person who we might say would say they are a person of faith. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the first thing we see is in verse 16 is that that person of faith has identified that this person is in need. Mm -hmm. That, that person needs something there's something they need um you know this person's confession suggests that they believe this person should be warm and filled right they've seen them cold and hungry they believe that this person should be warm and filled however their actions then contradict that 
because their actions are just simply to say be warmed and filled and to not actually do anything in order for that person to be warmed and filled and then James says so also is faith by itself if it does not have works it is dead someone say it faith without works is dead faith without works works. and we understand that faith is what it's that conviction of truth right it's that it is that conviction to say yeah this is the truth you're like this is the truth yep 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 i believe that it's almost like saying you know so like being dehydrated and saying you you know what maria water is so good if you know if i drink this water i'm gonna be you know hydrated um that i'm gonna be brought back to life you know water is excellent my god if i could but sip this water you know it's everything in my life will be fine and then i don't drink it what good was that confession that i made what what good was my proclamation of how awesome this water is of how important this water is to me if I then don't drink the water. Or it's like, or let's take it further. We could say, what's the point, you know, of me saying, you know what, the Lord, you know what, God, you are my rock, you know. (laughs) The Lord is my rock, Daniel. He's where I stand, bro. I won't be moved. Hey, when I'm in trouble, he's the place that I go to. But when I'm in trouble, I don't go to him. What's the point? James is almost saying, what's the point of that? By me declaring all of this stuff, that this person needs to be warmed and filled, but then I don't do anything. And then he takes it further. Let's read verse 18 to 19, because... This is, this is the part where I was like, wow. Okay, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works. And I will show you my faith by my works. Verse 19, you believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and they shudder. Let's break that down. Hebrews 11 verse 1. Okay, I'm just going to read that quickly. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, and it's the evidence of things not seen. Okay, that's a familiar scripture. So we understand that faith is the substance of things hoped for, but it's the evidence of things which are unseen. It's the evidence. And what James suggests is the evidence of faith is the works that accompany that faith it's the works that accompany that faith and again if we go back if we were to read hebrews hebrews 11 then gives a account of all of the people who were um i think it's called the hall of faith Mm -hmm. of people who had faith which was displayed by what happened by their works and then he goes on to say okay cool so If you're telling me you have faith, but I have works, show me your faith with no works. 
i.e., how are you, how, 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 how can you make it evident that you have faith without any evidence or any works? How, like, can you show me your faith apart from works? And what I will do is I'll show you my faith through my work. I.e., you will see what I'm doing, and that will then declare what I truly believe and what I'm really convicted of. Then he says something which I can't lie. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yesterday, as I read this word, I, I said, God, help me. I needed to repent. Because he then says to the person who says, okay, I have faith. He says, you believe that God is one. How many of you believe that God is one? No? Okay. No, no, no one believes that God is one. Okay. Okay, cool. Okay. Um, Hosea does. Um, uh, and you do well, right? So we ought to believe that God is one, right? Yeah. Like, amen, someone? Yeah? Yeah? yeah. This, this is not a trick question, by the way. Yeah, God is one. Yeah? But then he says, even the demons believe. And they shudder. I said, what? He says, even the demons believe that God is one. Mm -hmm. Do you know that the demons believe that God is all-powerful? Yeah. Do you guys know, like, the demons believe that Jesus is, is the son of God? The question is, what separates our belief from theirs? What separates our belief from theirs? This is what James is, re is really getting at in the scripture when he starts to make the argument, show me your faith without works. Well, he's given us an example of a group that have faith with no works. Because they also believe that Christ is... Is, 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 is the son of God. Christ is the king. God, God is one. And it's almost like there's a challenge to say, if faith can be separate from, from works, then what separates our, our belief from the belief of the demons? Mm -hmm. Is there any difference? Do we just or believe the same thing? Do we each have the same faith? Or is it more? Or is it more than what we just believe? Hence why he's really hearkening to the group that it's faith, sorry, it, 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 it's faith working through what we do, which actually equals faith. And so this is for me really important because when we think about faith, we might just think of it of, um, how can I put it? Only a belief. Only a belief. Thanks, bro. Um, only a belief in God. <clears throat> and just saying, yeah, this is faith. But what James here is really saying, that James is not just a belief, but it's a belief which causes an action. And it's the action which tells me you have faith. Again, he's not saying you. Again, he's not saying you're justified by works. But what he's saying is, 
by looking at your works, I can then see your faith. Okay, meaning what? If Amariah tells me, Daddy, there's gold on that trampoline. Okay. What I could do is say, you know what, Amariah, I, I believe you, you know. I really do believe you. I, I, I believe there's gold on that trampoline. And then I can just sit here. Does that show that I believe Amariah? No. Why? Because I'm not doing anything. But actually, if, if Amariah tells me that there's gold over there, and I start to walk towards there, James is saying, that is faith. That's faith because she's walking. She's moving towards it. She's actually making steps towards, and those steps are then evidence of the faith that Amariah has. And there's a challenge for us in this scripture of where is the evidence of what we proclaim to be true in our lives. That, where's, that where is the evidence of our faith? Can it be seen through our works? Or is our faith only and simply reduced down to what even demons believe, which is that God is one? Or is our faith something else? which can actually be seen through how we walk and how we move. And again, as I said earlier, he sets up this contrast, just like with the partiality and the faith, he sets up another contrast of faith and works to really help these people understand that our faith ought to be seen, right? Something ought to happen when we have faith in Christ. Like if I have faith in Christ, but I'm still doing the, the exact same things that I did when I was not in Christ. James is saying, how, how then can you say you're in faith? Right? He's saying that, again, just through that example of that person saying, go, you know, be warm and be filled. The, you know, the declaration is great but that also must accompany some actions to show that the declaration you've said, you actually believe it. Let's continue. And then from verse 21, and I'm going to be wrapping up soon. From verse 21, he then goes on to give two examples of people throughout scripture who, who, who we can look at their works, which then showed they had faith. Okay, so we've got so we've got Abraham, and he speaks about Abraham in verse twenty-three, um, and it's to do with, and um, and the story is in Genesis twenty-two, where where Abraham is asked to sacrifice his son. So God tells him to sacrifice his firstborn, um, and we see his faith because he takes his first, he then takes his son to sacrifice him. So James uses that to illustrate we can actually look at those works to illustrate that Abraham actually had faith because he did what God was telling him to do. And then he then brings up a, another story, Rahab. 
And that's in the book of Joshua, chapter 2, from verse 1 to 22. And, th and that story is essentially Rahab is a, I believe she was a prostitute. And the children of Israel came into, Jer um, into the promised land. And she helps them. And she hides them. Um, and then Joshua and the man them say, what we want you to do is we want you to put a, a, um, a, um, a scarlet cord right out of your window. And when we see that scarlet cord, we're going to come back and we're not going to destroy your house because of what you've done for us. Okay. And then, and then the Bible says that that's what she did. Right. She put the scarlet cord out. Okay. Again, it's important for us to understand of it, it, it would have been no good for her to say, yeah, this is a great idea. Let me put the scarlet cord out. Yeah, I'm going to be saved by putting the scarlet cord out and then not put the scarlet cord out. She would have been killed. And James is saying, what does that profit us if we're saying things, but then we don't do it? Where we say, yeah, God is the rock, but then we don't, walk with him being our rock where we say you know what like jesus can deliver but then we don't walk a life where he delivers james is james is calling us to and i wrote down the word which i felt that the spirit was telling me to wake up to wake up when it comes to our faith to not be people who maybe will just simply rely on the fact of what we believe and just say, well, this is what I believe. But to be people who are truly in faith and who have faith which is alive. And that alive faith has works which accompany it. And I want to end with this. It's in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 13, verse 5. And it says, test and evaluate yourselves to see whether you are in the faith and live in your lives. Sorry, and this, sorry, this is the amplified version. Let, let me start it again. Test and evaluate yourselves to see whether you are in the faith and live in your lives as committed believers. Examine yourselves, not me. Or do you not recognize this about yourselves by an ongoing experience that Jesus Christ is in you? unless indeed you fail the test and are rejected as counterfeit. And that's that second Corinthians chapter 13, verse five. That's not much of an encouragement. Um, but it is something for us to be alive to and to be awake to. Yeah, and to wake up. Someone say, wake up. Wake up. Uh, come on. And not be asleep to uh, what the Lord is saying today. <laughs> that we have to test and evaluate ourselves. <laughs> Second Corinthians says it clearly that we have to test and examine to see whether we're actually in the faith. That's a real weighty thing for us to do. Because sometimes we might just say, well, I'm in the faith. Mm -hmm. 
and produce no fruit of faith. And I had to look back as I was writing this word and I was like, God, like, what is the difference between my belief and the belief of those demons? And I was like, God, in some instances, there isn't much because I'm not producing the fruit of my belief. I'm not producing the fruit of what I attest to. And that can happen because I'm not examining my faith. I'm not examining what I'm doing. I'm just almost sitting on my laurels. Yeah, I believe. But there's a call for us as people to, to wake up, to examine our faith, to really know that what James is saying, faith without works is dead. That's not to say that, again, I've said it already, we're not justified by our works. But he then goes on to illustrate Abraham and Rahab to show that their faith was working through their works. Meaning we can look at their obedience to the Lord as a sign of their faith. And that's the question that we ought to ask, that we ought to ask ourselves. Are we in the faith? Are, are we producing the fruits of those who are in the faith? Are we walking in a way that shows we're in the faith? It, is anything in our lives portraying that we're in the faith? Or are we saying, just be filled and be warm without doing anything to actually fulfill that? And I just want to pray just as I end. Father, I just thank you for your word, Father. And I just, Father, I just pray that we will, as, 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 as Daniel spoke about last week, that we wouldn't just be hearers, but we would be doers, Lord, of your word, Father. That we would be counted among those who have faith. That we wouldn't separate faith with works, but we would know that faith is the evidence of things not seen, Lord. And that we would live a life which continually evidences your truth, evidences your grace, e e evidences your, your, your will working in our lives, Lord. And Father, give us the grace to examine ourselves. Father, and the grace to, to be able to stand when we see what we see, Lord. And to go to you, Lord, Father, so that we might become who you're calling us to be people who are full of faith meaning those who have faith and works and not those who separate the two in the name of jesus we thank you for that in jesus name amen amen amen